All right, we are here for a chat. I've got Randy McCallion, and uh, if you listen to all of our shows, then you heard Randy recently because she joined Jess for a Dirt Road Democrat and uh, was thinking about that episode the other day and thought, man, I want to talk to Randy too. That seems fun. So, uh, Randy, thanks for taking the time to join me, and how are things going down in the boot heel? Thanks for having me. Things are pretty great here in the 8th. We have um, momentum still building and some exciting things happening. I am very hopeful for us that we maybe hit our rock bottom and democracy will be coming back up in the 8th district. I I think that's where you have to be, right, is hopeful and uh, looking for things to always to turn around. And I think you're right. I I think there's no way that, uh, that there's any further, you know, down, I guess is the word, but it just seems impossible. Uh, the, the the amount of time of atrophy there um, was long, and so the recovery is long to match that, but it sure seems like y'all are really building something down there. It's true, and we are. And uh, yeah, some younger people getting engaged, so that makes all of us hopeful since it was a lot of older people running through things this last election. <laughs> Yeah, which is, you know, I think that's true across, certainly across Missouri. And I bet it's, I bet it's pretty true in most states that are having the same, you know, kind of issues you know, there's just something about, uh, certainly, um, you know, as a millennial coming into your twenties in a time when, you know, uh, Barack Obama was the president and it sure seemed like, you know, we weren't going back, you know, it just seemed like, that was it. We're not going back from here, you know, at the, at the beginning of all that. And then it was sort of disheartening to see some of the response. And I don't, I don't know, uh, you know, why it took so long, but it does feel like there was a delayed response from, from my generation. And then, you know, Gen Z of course is the opposite. They, they, you can't keep them out of politics. So <laughs> that's, that's a good thing. Thank goodness. Right. Yeah. 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 What you're touching on. I mean, I really feel like my parents' generation um, sort of dropped the ball in mentoring the next generation. And uh, mom, I'm not blaming you here. You did your part. Um, but a lot of people really dropped that ball. And we see that with the age of yeah. our electeds, right? And there's, it's not reflective of the age of the United States right now. It's right. that generation that didn't mentor the next. And so now our generation is stepping up. We're learning it. And I love seeing what Gen Z is doing. And, and that's the group that's starting to organize in the eighth now too. Yeah. I was talking with uh, Ray Reed uh, a few weeks ago and, and about the, how, like how it's like there came a time where generation X just kind of went, all right, well, we're just going to have to lay ourselves down and be a human bridge to, <laughs> to get where we got to go because these, the folks in front of them just, you know, it's like they got to, 65, they got to 70, they got to 75. And they're like, I'm not retiring anytime soon. So you won't be taking my job. <laughs> and, and they just continue. And it's not, it's not a, even necessarily a Democrat Republican problem. Like they're, they're it's happening on the Republican side too. Um, but I, and I think you can probably find the flip in like heavy blue states, right? The Republican party in those states probably looks pretty similar to the democratic party in a state like Missouri for the same <laughs> basic reasons. Um, but uh, from a rebuilding standpoint, you know, give us a sense, because because watching it and, and observing as I as I do, and just sort of trying to, you know, read the tea leaves, so to speak, 
um, it feels like you're at, I would call 35, 40% truly rebuilt, um, which seems low, but I think when you're, when you're coming from five ish to 10 ish, I think that's a pretty big jump in one cycle. Am I underestimating that? And you mean in the eighth district or do you mean Missouri? No, I mean the eighth district. No, we'll get to Missouri. I think that number's high for the state, but I think in the eighth, I think, I feel like it's, it's, it's there. Well, maybe we mean something different with our percents, but let me give you a few stats (laughs) because I don't feel like we're nearly that far in the eighth. You know, when I tell people just off the top of my head, I say that we have about five pretty strong democratic committees and remember, the 8th district is 28 counties. Right. So each county should have a county committee. And ideally, we want them each to have a strong county committee with plenty right. of members, right? So we've got five that are doing fairly good. We've got okay. five that are trying but don't have much membership. So there's only so far you can go and so much sure. you can do. And uh, and then what did that put me at? 10. So yeah. the other 18 are struggling pretty hard and there's quite a few that don't even have a committee at all. Um, so at this point, a lot of our organizing is done across counties. Um, it's done by a couple incredible people in kind of each area of the district that, you know, one of them would be Dorothy Adams. She's down yeah. in the boot heel. She's a part of her County committee. She's a part of the women Dems and she's a part of, uh, like a national women Dems group. And so she organizes events constantly for Democrats, for candidates, for meet and greets, all that kind of stuff. But out of the six counties that she does this with, most of those don't even have a democratic committee. Wow. So we have her and we have her group and they do amazing things in their area, but that's all they have in their area. Sure, Whereas yeah. if we had six county committees, imagine how much more support Dorothy would have in everything she does. Right. 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 Yeah. I guess. Yeah. When you, when you just stack them up like that, the, that, that makes more sense. Um, what do you think the, the biggest, you know, roadblock is there, um, for these counties to get, is it just finding people? Is there, you know, is it because there's so much to learn? Like, what is it that, that, that barrier to entry? It's a great question. And I think it's kind of a couple things that all play together in our very left behind rural spaces. Yeah. You have to work a lot harder here just to survive. And so even the thought of like thriving and having sort of extra is just way out there for the majority of people here. And so when you are, you know, there's not a lot of bootstraps here. Sure. So you can't pull yourself up by them if they don't exist. And so then you spend a lot more time, you know, getting those boots on, getting things done. And so what I mean by that literally is food. It's harder to get food if you live out here in the 8th district. You're traveling further to find a grocery store. Um, That grocery store may not have the kind of things that you need. You may need to go to multiple places. Or it might just be the one Walmart that the whole entire county has, right? Right, Um, right. And so if you're taking so much more of your week to travel to work, to go to the grocery store, to get your kids from school, you know, everything's further, a little bit harder to find then you run out of time to do those other things, like be politically engaged, be engaged in a local organization, um, be around friends, you know? And so, yeah, I think in part that's a barrier because people have gotten so far into needing to just take care of 
themselves, their families, their neighbors or, or, um, you know, friends, if you need to go to the hospital, it's really far away. If you need specialty care, you're often going to Springfield or St. Louis. And so, you know, it's not just a Monday off from the doctor. Things take so much more effort. You know, if you try to open a web page and it takes three minutes each time, (laughs) you don't get much done. (laughs) And so I think that that really makes some barriers with how left behind from sort of that organizing society level support that I don't see around here very much. And then on the other side of that, there isn't much democracy Democrats in that sense left around here that um, feel comfortable speaking out and speaking up. And a lot of them, what I noticed in my campaign. So when I was campaigning last year, people felt like they were the only Democrat and they were scared. And as we brought people together at like-minded events, people were a little less afraid once they saw that there were more people like them, that they aren't a lone blue dot in a red sea, right? And that really mattered in my campaign last year in such a rural space that is so red. Seeing other people that aren't voting Republican, right? And it wasn't just Democrats. We had quite a few independents and former libertarians joining our campaign and that the bringing of people together is, is really what our district needs to help build those connections so that you don't feel alone and so that you can organize event and not sit there by yourself. And that's how we start growing the party again in these spaces that have pretty much nothing. Yeah. How much do you think the technology really matters? Because that that seems, you know, I, I wasn't really thinking in those terms, but, you know, just you and I tonight, right, trying to record this and making sure we have the connection right. And it and I will tell you, that's not something that I that I experience with every guest that I have, right? But when I talk to somebody who's in a rural area, that's always an experience that's part of it, um, it consistently. So I would have to imagine that just that simple thing makes it, like you say, it's a little further, it's a little further, it's a little further, it's a little slower, it's a little harder. Absolutely, 100%. And I love that you pointed that out. I mean, when we started this call, I switched from my satellite internet to my hotspot. um, And most people out here don't have that choice. I'm fortunate enough that we can afford those multiple choices. Right. A lot of people don't have those choices. And a lot of people in my area can't do satellite because we live way up high at the top of our county on top of the hill. And a lot of people don't like Shannon County. It's all way down low. You're in ditches, right? If you're not on the top of the mountain, you're below it. And I think that has a lot more to do with the disconnectedness of our rural communities than so many realize. I was volunteering the other day at our animal shop shelter in Pulaski County. And that's right next to the base and should have fairly good internet. If you think of a more populated area next to an army base and it doesn't. And while I was there, the woman who runs the shelter was having trouble with the internet and she would click and wait 30 seconds. And the screen would very slowly load and was driving her nuts. And I was able to put my hotspot on for her and she finished her work in 30 minutes. And she was just like, Oh my gosh, thank you, I would have sat there forever doing this. And I think that just goes to show what people across the board in most of my district are experiencing 
we all remember that dial up crap of long ago, right? You get sick of it. You sign out, you're done. And so, you know, where we think a Zoom meeting might be quick and easy in a city, people don't even join my Zoom meetings most of the time in the campaign because they can't. It's frustrating. And on the other end, sometimes I'm not connected well, right? And so if they aren't connected well and I'm not connected well, it just makes for a frustrating call. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you pointed that out. It what? also goes into like education. Our rural school yes. never went online because they can't. Medicine, uh, medical care, right? I do some of my therapy appointments online with my therapist. People can't do that out here. And so, you know, that public good right to internet, well, uh, what I should say is internet should be a public good. Yeah. Internet needs to be something that is available to everyone. And we keep saying this and we keep saying it and we believe that there's the money there, but it like, it hasn't happened. Yeah. And that's, I think what people need to remember is we're so disconnected. Yeah. That's something that I, I always wonder about, you know, when you have representation for the same party for so long and this problem isn't, it's not like people just figured out that broadband access was going to be a gateway to the future, right? We've known that for like a decade that that was going to be the thing. And it, and it's, it's so, it's so, the incongruency is so great, right? In my, where I live right now, um, I, I joked on the show, uh, the Monday show that uh, we went to the city this weekend. And when you know, you live in kind of a rural area when you can say the city and everybody you talk to knows exactly what you mean. Um, but um, even so, even so compared to what you're dealing with, um, Right. In our communities surrounding us right now, there are people all over the place digging around uh, in the in the in the public easements, putting in fiber. They're putting in fiber conduits everywhere. We're we're passing broadband right now and we're going to fiber. And in the eighth district, the idea I don't I, like I feel like that's something if you tried to say, like, I'd like to bring fiber to the eighth district, you'd probably be met with just blank stares for, you know, obviously there's plenty of people who need to know what fiber is. We know we grow enough fiber here. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, people be like, why do we need more fiber? Yeah. <laughs> now, so well, while we're talking about it and yeah. you've asked me to say action steps, let's make yes. sure we tell everyone that it's their city council and it's their county, um, what are those called? County commissions. Yep. They're county commissions and their city councils that they need to be pressuring because the money exists and your city council and your county commission can request that money. And all they have to do oops, is sign a contract and get a team started on putting your internet in for your area, your house, your county. Yeah. Pressure your city councils and your county commissions. Yeah, because once the infrastructure's in, the companies will show up. The, the the providers will show up in droves once the infrastructure is in. Uh, but they're not going to put the infrastructure in because they know what you just said, which is that there are funds to put all of that infrastructure in and they don't have to pay for it and they don't want to pay for it and they're not going to pay for it because there's not nearly enough people to hook up to their internet service to justify the cost of that, um, which, is, which is crazy and gets right to what you're saying about the public uh, you know, public good factor. If the government has to put the infrastructure in, it ought to tell you something about the thing that we're dealing with. You know, we don't, 
it's just it's just crazy that we expect that that's just going to happen overnight. Um, but it, but it brings it to the point of how long have you been waiting for this to happen? And the party that continues to hold all of the power in that district does nothing. Like where 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 is the the progress to be made? Oh, and Adam, the stories that I heard on the campaign trail, you know, there's some big issues, for example, down in Kennett, which is Dunklin County. And I had some people telling me about what's going on with their water pressure and house fires. So their water pressure is way too low. The um, sediment that has built up inside of their piping systems has made it so that the local fire department cannot put fires out. There is not enough water pressure. So when there is a fire in a house in Kennett, they have to call in other counties to bring water in their trucks. And nearly every house that has had a fire in the last couple of years in Kennett, Missouri has burned to the ground and they haven't been able to help it at all. But there's not enough public funding to fund the fire department. So after your house burns to the ground and they can't do anything about it, you get a bill. Wow. Wow. And this I... is on the internet. It's been covered a few times. If you want to Google it, anyone listening, this is an issue. And we have been so like underfunded on purpose by the Republicans that have been elected that now people can't even live because if your house is burning down, they can't put it out with the water pressure, but they're going to charge you for coming. That's I, I had not heard that before. And it's just like, that just hit me like a ton of bricks. I mean, like that, that is, it, it's asinine, right? I mean, it's just, it's, it doesn't even make sense. I'm having trouble even computing it, that that would be that. Yeah. Wow. I mean, wow. this is the United States and that's how some of our people are living Right. in an impoverished area with not very much food, not good access to healthcare or jobs. And then your house is on fire and they can't put it out because they won't spend the money to fix the water pipes. Yeah. Um, by the way, Duncan County, let's see, they have a little tax, I think, but Kennett doesn't. So the only place that they get, um, uh, what am I trying to say? A sales tax. Mm -hmm. The only yeah. place that they really get a sales tax in that whole County is the Walmart. Wow. Which probably Crazy got enough. some kind of, crazy huge uh, tiff when they built it anyway. Um, so <laughs> how are you able to, um, I, I just saw, I want to A, toot your horn for a second, but B, ask like how, how um, are you hitting goals, fundraising goals? We're off cycle. Uh, there's no Democrats in your, in your district, right? Well, there are, but you know, how are you able to do that? And, you know, do you, it, does it say something to you? Like, are you seeing donations coming in locally? Is it, you know, are there regular donations coming in? And is that part of what gives you the hope is just seeing like that, that, that that's there. Fundraising has been really bad and really hard in a non-election year, but it's my, when people do donate, it is people in the eighth district or um, a few other people who know what I'm doing in this area and they donate to me. Um, so fundraising has not been easy. It went very well during election season, though. So we had a lot of people support, you know, our our five county committees that are, you know, up there doing it. They were able to make donations to my campaign. Um, one of our goals this year is to get 
five more county committees with an online donation link, um, all set up to collect donations and starting to do that so that we can support more candidates that are going to be on our ballots in 2024. Um, So what I'm trying to do this year is get people to invest in what we're doing at like three, five or eight dollars a month. And I'm trying to help people see how powerful small monthly donations are. They can carry us into next year so strong. I'm hosting events this year for the campaign. We're going to be volunteering at the Sykeston Food Bank and the one that they just opened in Jackson. And, you know, with those donations, I can feed our volunteers. I can feed the workers at the food bank, um, travel around the district right i just bought van so we didn't buy van last cycle for a number of reasons um but this off cycle fundraising has allowed me to purchase access to uh, voter data through the party now and that'll make it easier on people to knock doors to organize for our campaign than it was last year i wish fundraising was easier and i kind of hoped it would be in an off year but it has been really difficult but the people who are stepping up are the people from my district and the people who have seen what we're doing and they're making it happen support this show and all of the work in the heartland pod universe by going to heartlandpod.com and clicking the patreon link to sign up membership starts at a dollar a month and goes up from there with extra shows and special access at the higher levels heartlandpod.com Click the Patreon link or just go to Patreon and search for the Heartland Pod. No matter the level you choose, your membership helps us create these independent shows as we work together to change the conversation. Well, and, and that that's, I think, encouraging because that is buy-in, right? You're talking about, yeah. right, it's not just that you had a video that made it out and you got some donations in from California and New York and, you know, Minnesota through some, no, it's not that. These are people who are saying, I want to, you know, clean up in my backyard right here. I'm going to give the little bit that I have to give to this person to be a leader because that's, I mean, I think that's a big thing of what you bring is that you are filling a vacuum of leadership, not just a candidate, right? There's a difference. Um, You can be a candidate and not be a leader. And I think that uh, you can be a leader who becomes a candidate and I, and I, the first time you and I talked, I, I had that feeling of that you mm-hmm. were there to, whether you were running for office or not, you were there to lead. And uh, the fact that you feel you have the skills and there was an opening to run for office, great, but that that wasn't the starting point goal necessarily, that it was about leadership and that that opportunity simply presented itself. And do, do you feel that part working um you know, and seeing other people picking up that message and kind of doing it themselves. Absolutely. And you have just honored me so deeply. (laughs) Um, Thank you. I literally just had to defend this a couple hours ago in a meeting I was in um, because someone was treating me as though I wanted better data from the district as a candidate. And I had to say, look, I can't win this district and I'm not under any false pretenses that I can. What I'm doing is using this position and this seat that we are given in our democracy to organize the eighth district. That's right. Because when you look at the congressional districts, the eighth needs leadership, deserves leadership. 
And if we're talking about Democrats and democracy, then we really need to do some work out here. Right. And we're given this platform. Why wouldn't we use it? And that's why I stepped up to run when there was no one running in the last three days of March last year is we were going to pass up this chance to organize and to have a voice at the table. Um, and so, yes, I feel as though that model and owning that we can't win this right now. And honestly, to listen to every, or for everyone listening, my opponent is now chair of the House Ways and Means Committee. He gets interviewed left and right all day long. He's all over the news now. Um, I expect in a tiny way that we might do worse next time because he's so famous now. He's so popular now. He has more free press than he did last time. Right. Um, and that's okay. It is what it is. We can still organize down ballot. You know, I've said this before. We had five candidates out of 21 House seats. We had 16 uncontested House seats in the 8th Congressional District. It's so worth our time to organize and worth my time to organize for those down ballot positions, to help people feel confident to run, to see that they don't have to win it, to have a great campaign. Um, I have never learned more and had more fun. And I'm an introvert. <laughs> I don't want to do this stuff deeply inside me. This was not necessarily my goal. I think I've told you before, I'd kind of like to start writing some science fiction books. <laughs> but here I am running yeah. for Congress in the reddest district in the state as a Democrat um, because it's worth it. And so what you said is, are other people being inspired? And I have one story of someone down in Poplar Bluff. Oh, cool. And they are too young right now to run for office, but they have already started taking Lead Missouri trainings, Lead Mo. And they helped with my campaign and got excited and said they wanted to run someday. Uh, and now they have organized with a former chair of Butler County and they have revitalized the indivisible group down there. Awesome. Because they're struggling to get the county committee going, their side organizing and then going to make sure that in 2024 during reorg, they fill the seats of the county committee as well. And I'm going to shout them out. It's Chandler Ship. They are amazing down in Butler County and Poplar Bluff area. And I would love anyone else down there who's listening to join forces because we can make some serious progress in that area with how many young people are feeling inspired and taking on this torch of what feels like the impossible, but they see that you just have to start and then you build and then it happens. Yeah. It, it's, I, I, I've been thinking about it, uh, two with two different, uh, metaphors, uh, one being a fire and one being a rock that has changed over time with water and neither one of them, you know, a fire can get going very quickly, but a fire that burns quickly often burns hot, fast, and is, and is gone, right? It doesn't really do what you need it to do. Uh, anybody who's ever burned fire for heat, uh, we the house we lived in before we lived in this one had an excellent, awesome, huge, open, uh, you know, like living room area. And so we, you know, would burn that fire and get it rocking and rolling. And, you know, it takes a good hour to get a real good heat fire, right? To truly build. Yeah, you got to have coals, exactly. You got to have good thick logs and you got to be able to burn those big thick logs. It takes time. 
And you have to start with that early stuff. And in a way, you kind of sacrifice some things, some earlier pieces to get to the ability to support that bigger piece. And and you have to be able to build that way. And I I think people, you know, they want it to be, they just want to walk in and, and turn the heat on, right? And that's a, a wonderful thing. Um, and they, they, you know, especially folks in Missouri, you hear it all the time. We need a Stacey Abrams. They look at Georgia and they think that Stacey Abrams just like one day like showed up and was like, hi, I'm Stacey Abrams and I'm going to change everything. No, it took forever, right? That was, that was constantly working and churning. You know, you look at Cori Bush in St. Louis, she didn't appear one day and become a congressperson. She was working and running and building something and, and lost races, right? It's, this wasn't, you don't just walk in and poof, there you go. Um, and by going from, you know, you said there's five, uh, five house uh, candidates, you know, in the whole district. If you can just think in terms of, can you double every year? Well, that means three cycles and you're full. That's, yep. That would be huge to have an, a full roster of, of state house candidates because that's also going to spur in conversation that's going to give you school board candidates and people who say, I didn't know our library had a board of trustees. Is that something I could do? And now suddenly all of these spots are getting filled by folks who didn't. I guarantee you most folks don't even know some of these spots exist in the yes. first place. So it, it creates education, it creates buy-in, it creates momentum. And at the end of the day, if you keep doing it right, you have a you know big, beautiful, roaring fire. <laughs> I love it. Or the Grand Canyon. Yeah, or the Grand Canyon, <laughs> one of those two things. The uh, I, Yeah, I, I stepped right. away from the rock one halfway through the fire one. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're exactly right about that. And um, I that's what I see. And I... My original training is in maternal and child health, and I went into all of that to improve our maternity care system. And so I knew it was going to take a really long time to do that. You know, you're changing millions of parts. It's going to take a lot of work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, let's talk about the state party just a little bit. Just, just a, just a little bit. Um, <laughs> Careful careful i get in trouble when i do this <laughs> <laughs> yeah um <laughs> so where do you see it going from here because it just seems like right now um you know it's it's sort of a boat adrift um mm -hmm. which i don't know maybe that's an improvement um but 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 but, <laughs> but <laughs> just because you're going a direction doesn't mean you're going the right direction you know what i mean so I see positive things. It does suck that in December we had to go through an entire election for yeah. the party. And, you know, we're about to do it again on, I think it's March 18th or so is our March 16th, maybe. Um, so we're about to do it again. So that does suck a little. But I love Shirley Mata. I did not know her very well until I was running against her for vice chair. And I got to know her really well oops sorry my computer screen there we go <laughs> um so i got to know shirley mata really well now and i really like her she is a wonderful organizer and she recognizes that you do not lead alone you yeah. lead from the back 
that you uplift other people, that it's other people doing most of the work, that you are the organizer of it. You're the supporter, the encourager, the director of which way to go, right? right? And she's doing that. And so I was really excited for her as vice chair um, and then to have the reelected chair decide he'd rather deal with his bar than leading the state. Um, It would have been nice if he decided that two months earlier, but here we are. And ultimately, I think it's going to be a good thing. I see so many people who really want improvement. They really want what all of us want out of the Democratic Party, which is improved communication, improved direction and leadership, more action steps um, and respect. Right. And so like as a leader and as someone who ran for office in the reddest district in, in the state, most people, when they're doing the work, just want respect for it. They want acknowledged and being acknowledged is being respected. And that's really all that people need. And that's what I heard from candidates over and over when they were frustrated. They were like, we just want to be acknowledged. Like someone just say, what you're doing might suck a little, but you're doing great. And we are proud of you. Thank you for being here yeah um and then we would have kept going without a complaint you know but i see the people stepping up want that and they behave that way you know um john keeney is now a friend of mine and he's running for chair and he's a great guy he's good at telling people that they've done a good job when they have he's good at respecting them and encouraging them and appreciating He's good at pointing out when others are doing the work, that it's not him doing everything. He's a part of a system, a part of a team. Uh, I love Shirley Mata too. I think she's great. And those are the only two I can remember that are running right now. Uh, (laughs) That's all right. It wasn't a quiz. (laughs) Yeah. I've heard nothing but good things about Shirley. She's, she's always had good reviews and, and uh, what I know of John, he's, uh, he was on with Kevin once for an interview and what I know of him just through, you know, social media interaction uh, seems like his his heart and mind are both in the right place, and that's you know that's where you got to start. Um, certainly, certainly from that position, that is well. It, it's good to know that there's at least encouragement there um, because that's that again. Hope is hope is better than than despair, I guess. But uh, something yeah. positive it feels like just has to has to happen. I suppose. Let me tell you, though, because you sent me a couple questions, right? And Mm -hmm. one thing I wrote down that um, I think was good to share is by me running for this seat and kind of um, giving us a voice through this campaign, when Shirley became vice chair, she reached out to me and a couple of the people that organized in the 8th district really well, a couple of our candidates, and we have now put are movers and shakers onto state committees. Good. And so when you run, you get connected to the people who are doing the work in your community. You meet the movers and the shakers. And what I've been able to do by becoming that point person, and I'm an organizer, so this was a perfect spot for me. I got to know everyone in the eighth that was a mover or a shaker that did something, had a voice, would take some power. And now we've put them onto state committees. And so the 8th District has a bigger voice now at the state level on nearly every committee. There is at least one person from the 8th District. The Youth Communications Committee has our couple young people who stepped up in my campaign now. Um, Pretty much everyone that I was like, hey, I'm putting you on a committee. Is that cool? They were like, (laughs) anything, Randy, if it's going to be important, let's do it. 
That's awesome. That's awesome. And that's that is exactly how it how it has to happen. I think and I think that's what people miss is like, you know, when you're in that that state of atrophy is that you don't go from you know, you don't go from the couch to the marathon. There's there's so much that has to happen in, in between there to get to that point. And you have to learn, you know, depending on how far behind you are. I I experienced this. I, I there were in my early twenties. I exercise all the time. And then I got older. I went to law school. We had kids. I didn't exercise for a long, long time. And then I got back into it and I was like, oh, I have to kind of relearn how to do this because the last thing I remember was being, you know, like 21 years old and like just lifting whatever was next to me and not, not even thinking about it, um, you know, and, and then eating whatever I wanted and still being able to do that. Um, and so you, I kind of had to relearn, so to speak, like, what are my limits? What can I really do? And you have to continue to do that over and over again and be okay with the fact that like you, like you, you acknowledging head on, just saying like winning the race in the eighth district is the democratic candidate for Congress is not the point. Like it's, if you woke up the next day and they were like, you know, biggest upset in American, you know, electoral politics <laughs> history has occurred and and you know here's here's randy on every single news channel it'd be um, pretty badass I'm yeah it'd be lie. unbelievable <laughs> it's not like you don't want to win the race or anything like that right. but at the same time if you if you go into it expecting you know it, when if, the first day that i got back into exercise if i expected to go and do my hour-long weightlifting routine and then go play half-court basketball for half an hour I, I'm, I'm about die. to turn 38 years old. I would literally <laughs> die. Yes, I would literally die um, <laughs> of many different potential causes at that point in time. And if I didn't, I would have. I would wake up the next morning and think I would have preferred to die. And so you have to be ready, you know, you know for that. What, what you're saying to connect that to candidates, what I see happen is burnout. Yes. Right? Yes. And I've seen number of candidates now go into a campaign with kind of unrealistic expectations and then they get burned out because they took it very personally sometimes right, too right, right? right and they right. tried their darndest and then people didn't vote them in and they feel hurt by their community and so at least from my perspective i mean i've run twice now in definitely unwinnable seats for first time running uh or even second time running but um I think if you go in with the right kind of mindset for what your area looks like and set your goals differently, right? My goal wasn't to win. My goal was to connect with my community, to understand the 8th district better and to build from that. Yeah. And so we did that. And now we're in the next cycle and we have an idea of where we're at and where our goals can be, where we can move to. Um and what you said earlier, too, reminded me that we have to celebrate every little step, every Absolutely. little win. Yeah. So having Poplar Bluff reorganizing is a huge win. And we celebrate that, even though, you know, Democratic cities might be like, you're happy. Right. <laughs> yes, we <Right>. are. <laughs> yeah. That, and that's having realistic expectations is so important. Um, you know, it's part of, uh, I, I'm dealing, I deal with the legal system and I deal with people who, you know, they have a legal case and they have an idea, right? This is what I want. And I go, okay, well, here's the law and here are the facts that you have, 
right? It's like when you're a kid and you go to the arcade and you get all the tickets and you have a you can have a fistful of tickets, right? That goes on for days and days and days. And you go up to the thing and you're looking at all the cool stuff and they're like, they weigh your tickets. They, I don't think kids these days, because it's all electronic now. Remember the ticket weighing? You can get a pen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're <laughs> looking at all the cool stuff and they're like, no, there's this, go over to that section over there with the bouncy balls and the pens and the slinky and you're like but i have a thousand tickets too bad get a slinky enjoy here's a laffy taffy while you're at it it's got a joke on it congratulations like that 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 realistic (laughs) expectation is super important so you know if you're a first-time candidate going in if your expectation is anything other than i'm going to learn how to be a candidate then your expectation is is too high it just is um for the first time it should be, I'm going to learn yeah. what it means. To I'd argue in Missouri in where there's very little supports for candidates. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and if you set, if you set your thing there and say, this is what I'm doing, then anything else that happens is going to feel positive, anything at that point in time. But if you set your side on, I'm going to win this race that nobody's won. And by the way, nobody's running, or if they have run it, they haven't run a full campaign, whatever. And I'm just going to walk in and win it because I don't know, for, for any reason, um, then anything other than that, even if it's successful, right? Even if you get the most votes anybody's ever had, it's still going to be a disappointment because you're not going to have achieved the, the, the unrealistic expectation that you have. That, that seems like a super important part of getting started. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to encourage more people, get out there and lose. Yeah. I, I think that's an awesome message. I think that's where we should leave it. Get out there and lose. That's the title. You just, you titled the episode right at the end. Get out there and lose. That's what it's about. I can't yes. wait. I, I, I can't wait it. to get trolled for that title. <laughs> I'm excited will. for it too. Yeah. Well, um, Randy, Hey, thank you, you know, so much. I, oh no, go ahead. Go ahead. When I was about to lose my race and I was upset not to make anyone think right. Sure. Two losses now under my name on, um, uh, what's that vote? Ballotpedia. Ballotpedia. There you go. Yeah. Two losses on Ballotpedia now, right? But my dad sent me a thing about Abraham Lincoln, and it just said how many times Abraham Lincoln lost yeah. everything that he tried to do. And look where he ended up, and look at some of the changes he made in the direction he pushed our country. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's worth losing. It is. It's worth losing. You hear it here, folks. First, uh, Randy McCallion, future president of the United States. Uh, there you go. So. <laughs> thanks for your time thanks for having me the heartland pod is a production of midmap media llc follow us on twitter with at the heartland pod with email you can reach us heartlandpod2020 at gmail.com online with heartlandpod.com subscribe and please sign up for our patreon with patreon.com slash heartlandpod become a podhead or an official podgressive today and unlock all of our content. See you at the next show.